Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of Daily Coast of Brief, our weekly show about politics. I'm Marcos Melitzis. I am here with Carrie Alavald. And Carrie, I think we're finally at that stage in the in the cycle that even though it's still summer, every week is jam-packed full of stuff. Like there's so much to talk about. We were before the show, we're trying to narrow it down. <laughs> I know, I know. Yes, we were like, uh, we were trying to weed stuff out. And then, and then, and then we ended up putting most of it back in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, like, the, the problem is, is that the Republican Party just is uh, offers up every week, just a bevy of like insanity. And it's like, I was, you know, trying to like parse out, like what really matters here is, is always uh a challenge. So anyway. Yeah, it, it's definitely not dull. And I suspect it's going to stay this way for pretty much all the way through November. So I think we're going to this show is going to be just rocking for the next <laughs> for the next year. Just and plus because there is Stick so around. much happening. So last week we talked. It was the day before the uh, Republican primary debate. And so we we both had our theories and they ended up being very close alike. We're like, what did the Republican field that's not named Donald Trump. What did right. they need to do to actually make a run at at the uh, at the nomination? And and because uh, everybody's been so passive and so like they they're afraid to criticize Donald Trump. And uh, Trump was not at the um, at the debate, which I think did not serve him well. But um, was, everybody no, else was. So everybody else, almost everybody else that you know was at that debate. A couple of like fringe Republicans didn't qualify, but um, did you, what we talked, I mean, I think our, our consensus, Carrie, if, if I'm not mistaken, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I think the consensus was that they needed to, to <laughs> rocket science, right? They needed to criticize Donald Trump. They needed to create a alternative, you know, create some distance and provide an alternative to Donald Trump who under indictment X number of times uh, might not prove to be their strongest candidate. Did you see anything in a debate that would suggest that anybody is thinking, yeah, I'm actually going to create some kind of opposition to Donald Trump? Well, I I, I think the only person who really did that, um, yeah, I mean, Chris Christie, obviously, Asa Hutchinson, you know, I just don't think either of them have a chance of, of winning the the nomination or even like enough donor support to really go for a long period. But Nikki Haley, former South Carolina governor and UN ambassador. I mean, I do think she was the only one who was like, Trump is not going to, she actually said at one point, he's the most unpopular politician in America. I mean, she's kind of wrong because Chris Christie might be the most unpopular, but she, but, but Mitch McConnell, he's, he's probably, <laughs> yeah, Republicans. There's plenty of Republicans <laughs> to point to, but Trump, to her point, may be the most polarizing, right? Everyone, every, everyone sort of unanimously dislikes Chris Christie. If you look at civics, like polling of him, his favorables, there, independents, Republicans, Democrats alike don't like him. Um, but Trump is truly polarizing. Nikki Haley was the only one who was willing to go there. She actually, at one point, tried to do some some sort of truth. I don't want to paint her as a hero here, but tried to do some sort of truth telling with Mike Pence about, you know, a 15 week abortion ban not being a popular position. He was trying to say it had like 80 percent support. She was like, you can't you can't lie to the American people about that. It doesn't have 80 percent support. So she may i i think she did something and she needed to do something she has she she isn't she was in danger i think heading into that debate of losing enough donor support to continue to 
continue her candidacy through Iowa. My guess is, is that, you know, the donors are still a whole bunch of well-heeled Republican donors are still trying to figure out who the heck they can put up against Donald Trump to potentially make this a two-person race and defeat him, which is a long shot at best. But um, I think she caught some some donor eyes uh, during that. And Tim Scott, who went into the debate flush oh, and probably. Wait, yeah, hold, on, hold on, hold on. I just, Nikki Haley, I don't want, she also criticized Trump on spending and talked about the deficit. Oh, yeah. And, and she attacked her own party, saying that everybody talks about Democratic spending. But if you look at the earmarks, it was I forget her exact numbers, but like eight billion was from Republicans. Well, and she two said billion was from Trump- Democrats. Under Trump, she said that he added eight trillion dollars to the deficit, which is so, yeah, true. Which she, I would say, she. I didn't get the sense that she was overtly attacking Trump. She did, but I think she like what you were talking about. Just a skillful way to do so, without you know, Chris Christie's like a battle hammer, yeah. right? And they come in and beat you to a pulp. I thought Haley was more scalpel. And oh the, yeah, totally. The plus side of that is that it didn't engender that knee-jerk, gotta defend Trump feeling. I don't think. I'm not a Republican, but it was yeah. more subtle. Uh, on the downside, it's more subtle, so it's not as quick. It's not as easy to pick up, right? I mean, you have to really be listening to get it. And so um, I found that, yeah, I found that actually fascinating. And the one place where she might get beat up by Republicans, which is on the abortion issue, if you looked at the crowd, they didn't care. I mean, one way or the other. No. They were tuned out. They were sleeping. They wanted to hear about Hunter Biden. That's what they wanted. They wanted the red meat, like abortion. They won. Like they got what they wanted. They're, they're done. They're ready to move on. And so I, I think, again, that issue really plays to our strengths because they're not motivated by it the way we no, are. No, no. Yeah. That's, she, real. That's she, a whole conversation. Yeah. She she was the only person and she said it like two or three times saying we can't lie to the American people. We have to be honest with them. And that is just like. I have to say, so there's really two primaries going on, and I think most people have figured this out, but it's worth stating that there is the GOP donor uh, primary, right? And then there's the grassroots activist primary. And, you know, the Trump has the grassroots MAGA activists. He's got like roughly a third of the, of the Republican Party tied up, roughly, you know, around 35, 36%, somewhere around there tied up um, who are probably never going to leave him, Right. And then you've got, then you, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to use Witt Ayers numbers here. He's a sort of well-known Republican pollster, has been for a long time, and he's done a lot of polling on the Republican Party. I don't agree with him, you know, on hardly, you know, any policies, but I don't doubt that he has a sense of where the polling stands. And, you know, he's got Trump at about a third of MAGA Republicans, like we're talking about the Republican base here. He's got... Um, Never Trumpers at about 10 to 15 percent. And then everybody else, which is roughly 50 percent of the uh, party, is is in the probably Trump, maybe Trump category where they like Trump, but they just might be open to voting for someone else. They might be persuaded that he has too much baggage. Um, and I think they, a lot of those people have started reverting to Trump because no one, uh, specifically, you know, his number two challenger, Ron DeSantis, um, the Florida governor, has been able to consolidate any sort of base against him. So he just keeps on losing altitude. Even after the debate, he, he lost altitude. I looked his numbers, nothing. I, so in, in the donor primary, I think Nikki Haley made a lot of headway. And that's important for her because most of these candidates will stay in as long as they have the money. 
And um, and then, uh, you know, I think Tim Scott faded away. Senator Tim Scott of South Carolina, he 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 just sort of faded away into the woodwork. It's partly that, you know, I it looked like he was running for vice president. I don't know that he thinks that's true, but that's what it looked like. And he didn't have to worry. He's got a lot of money at this point, um, at least to go through Iowa. So he didn't have to worry about, you know, making sure that he stood out to donors. He might have to start worrying about it now. And yeah, so, the one place, yeah. the one place where he showed any real passion and energy was on the abortion discussion. And again, the crowd was totally checked out. That doesn't mean Iowa is very evangelical. The Republicans who vote now, I mean, we're talking, we're up to sixty percent of the Republican vote in Iowa is male. And everybody there is white. I know that that was fascinating to me. That was on your meet the press when you were on meet the press. They the, brought that yeah. up that that of the Iowa Republican people who participate in the caucus, sixty percent of them are male. I had no idea that was news to me. Yeah, it's crazy, and uh, so that may be a problem for Nikki Haley in Iowa. But in it, and it's are very heavily evangelical. So maybe maybe Scott can use that. Uh, issue to at least do well in Iowa. But that crowd at that debate, they were sleeping through it. So it's like one grand moment where he actually showed any kind of energy. Like nobody, nobody cared, which was a really, was really interesting. Like that, it made it for, it made for incredibly, incredibly bad performance for him. He literally was like wallpaper. Yeah. Oh, totally. So, um, so I think we come out of that debate and now, and, and remember we have another debate September 27th. So that's going to be an interesting um, Trump isn't supposed to be at that either. Um, you know, I he, look, there's a lot of people who think Trump not being at the um, you, you could are. I think you can argue it either way. Trump not being at the debate and he doesn't plan to be so far as I know at the second debate either. It's like, why would he even play footsie with these, you know, people who are so far below him in the polling? That said, every time he doesn't show up, he gives an opportunity to some like, what, someone like Nikki Haley to make a run at the GOP donors, at, you know, having the wherewithal to stay in to challenge Trump. And if he's if he was there, I don't I don't think she would have had the moment she had. I have a hard oh, time seeing her stand standing up to Trump and and do, you know, and, and coming mm -hmm. out looking as good as she did. So you can argue that either way. But I think his absence is is actually leaving an opening for people to, you know, to to make a, a play. And Nikki Haley did. He likes to talk about Donald Trump likes to talk about how he's up by 35 points and whatever. And it's true, right? It, he's up by a lot. But if you look at what the actual numbers are, he's around 50 percent. Might float up a point or two, might float down yep. a point or two. And everybody else is like at 12 percent. So he is correct. But the big number there is that half the Republican Party does not want Donald Trump. And so you're absolutely right. He's not on that stage. He's giving somebody the chance to start consolidating support because I don't know if it's going to happen or not, but there is a there probably not. But there is a there's a non-zero chance that somebody starts getting traction and starts consolidating that anti-Trump vote. And there's not much that Trump could do about it. In fact, if Trump starts saying that's the Nikki Haley is the person I'm afraid of and starts attacking her, that's just going to send a signal like, OK, that's the one he's afraid of. Yeah. Um, so he it's a no win. He ignores her. She can build support. And I'm not saying just it could be Scott. It could be anybody. Right. Any of that mm -hmm. crowd. Um, but if you just not DeSantis, then, <laughs> exactly. He's, oh, man. 
I mean, I, we all saw it probably, but when asked if he would support Donald Trump if he was a nominee, and the way he looked both left and right before he raised his hand was absolutely so on brand. I couldn't even. It was, he had to look, it's so sad. He had to look at me vague. He had to look at me vague to f- figure out whether or not he was going to raise his hand. And what did he think the vague was going to do? The vague was going to raise his hand. So what was uh, he even looking at? He's such uh-huh. a loser. Oh, yeah, how so you, bad. everybody knew that question was going to be asked. I don't understand. Uh, I don't understand why that was hard for him. Either raise your hand or you don't. The end. Oh, God. He like glitched. But he also he had, yeah, yeah, it was perfect. We don't need to belabor the point. He he's uh, such a, he's, a he's so terrible at everything. It's a lot of fun to talk about. But um, but you know what's interesting is that you said you know roughly fifty percent uh you know does like they do like Trump they're for Trump but the other fifty percent are you know are like looking and, for you know it might not market. even might not even be fifty. I mean you just said you have the polling right that Trump has yep. locked down about a third. And then yep. there's that crowd that's like, I like him enough if somebody else stands up. And, and they were very, they were DeSantis curious. We saw polling early, in the, early, early before DeSantis jumped in when it, he was just an idea, not an actual candidate, that people were, that Trump's numbers were, were down. And, you know, and so that crowd has gone back to Trump because of the weakness of this primary field and the lack of an obvious alternative. So you have half that, that the field, even now they're saying like, no, I don't want Trump. Yeah, and then yeah. I still think you have another maybe 10, 15 percent that is open to the idea of somebody not Trump and would be open to that argument. Why to avoid Trump? So there's an opening there. I don't understand why somebody's just not driving that freaking truck right into that opening because it's right and, there for the taking. And Trump's aggregate, to your point, has has dropped off. So, you know, they kept on the the, the thing is he, he's he's been pushing this idea that every time he gets indicted, he you know, he gets more he gets stronger. Right. And yeah. that's, of course, not true in the general election. He gets weaker in the general election, even if he gets stronger among the Republican base. But right. His I think his indictment and his uh, Georgia indictment was announced by uh, D.A. Uh, Fulton County D.A. Fonnie Willis um, on August 14th. And you can see he's up at right around in the aggregate, the 538 aggregate of the primary. He's up right around 55 percent. And right around mid mid August, he starts to go down. And this is the first time we've seen him start to go down sort of since the indictments. And he's now down at right around 49, you know, point two or point five, something like that. So he's actually lost about five points since he was With, without anybody yeah without anybody really going hard at, no, nobody credible right like christy has well, nobody but, like, credible all of all of that runoff has not gone to ron DeSantis. it's gone to vivek ramaswamy yeah i just say carrie wrote a freaking fantastic story on daily coast i think you should definitely look it up on why vivek is actually um more dangerous than trump right and he said and 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 the title of it is uh you know Vivek Ramaswamy isn't just Trump's mini me. He's way worse. And the reason he's way worse is because while he embodies most of his vision is a MAGA vision for the nation. Right. Most of it is isolationist. We're just going to give Ukraine to Putin to end the war there. You know, I mean, all this really horrific stuff. Um, Once again, Taiwan to China. like Yeah, Taiwan to China. And there are two genders and blah, 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 all this stuff. But the one thing he's added that Trump really doesn't have is this really paternalistic religiosity, this this um, 
you know, he has these 10 commandments that he's come up with. And, and what the first one is God is real. And the seventh, which he repeated twice in the, um, in the, debate was the greatest institution known to man is marriage or something like that known to man or known to America is marriage, something like that. So, so he is just, if you watch him, he's good at being the happy warrior usually, but sometimes you start to see him get angry. He does not like women. Okay. He's very condescending to women. He, um, you can tell that like Nikki Haley was repulsed by him on stage. And um, if you see him, I'm going to write this up, I think. If you see him in some of his interviews with female interviewers, he's he's very condescending. But he has this real paternalistic religiosity that he's bringing in. He's not Christian, to my understanding. I'm pretty sure that he's... Uh, He's Hindu, but he has this, but he, he thrills the Christian base with this idea of we got to get back to family and fatherless households are the reason that America is in decline and blah, 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 and the nuclear family and all that stuff, right? So he's actually adding to Ma, the Trump's MAGA agenda, this really sort of misogynistic, um, you know, patriarchal religiosity. Yeah. And you did a good job of tying it into Ronald Reagan's welfare queen and, and because it, it, it sort of meshing that Ronald Reagan yeah. know, ethos, vibe, whatever you want to call it with, with MAGA, which is actually, as you say, that's, that's pretty potent stuff. I don't think he's the ideal vehicle for it because he's kind of a clown, no. but whoever nails it, it can actually, and he's actually saying, he's saying this is the model. Right. And uh, and I know I think DeSantis maybe wanted to go there. He just just didn't have the courage to actually to own it the way that Vivek mm -hmm. owns it. He owns it, man. I mean, I, I made this point on Meet the Press and it literally that was what they ran with as sort of the headline for the segment. Um, and because I said, uh, can you imagine, like Vivek, he said he's got no shame, right? He said that he had never thought about foreign policy until six months ago. Like he just never cared. Yet he sat on stage and he tried to lecture Nikki Haley on foreign policy. And Nikki Haley, of course, was the you know ambassador to the United Nations. I mean, say what you will about her politics. She knows foreign policy. And for him to sit there and act like she was an idiot um, was really, and I think it speaks to just how he, you know, maybe is because she was a woman that that he would disrespect. Although he disrespected Mike Pence. I mean, I think that was his his whole shtick was to oh, yeah. oh, disrespect yeah. he everybody. Oh, yeah. He wanted to be Trump on stage. He wanted to talk over yeah. everybody. He wanted to, you know, I mean, he his whole persona is Trumpian. Um, so yeah, he 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 was rude to everybody. So yeah, so yeah, meet the press. You know, it was like mansplaining. Vivek mansplains uh, to Nikki Haley was sort of the headline, and um, but yeah, that's oh, it's one of the moments that stood out to me. And there's a picture that uh, that uh, I wish <laughs> you guys haven't oh, yeah, seen that it. Picture. I, where yeah, he is literally hovering over Nikki Haley with his arms up with the victory sign, you know, like yep. total bro, like, like interface, inner space. Uh, it's the creepiest, most rudest, most misogynist, like everything about it is wrong. And, uh, and it she, doesn't. And she looks me, like she's about ready to punch him in the mouth. Is what she God, looks like. She she's have. just like, you know, it reminds me, it reminds me a little bit of Hillary Clinton, like <laughs> holding it together while, you know, Trump was like, 
you know, stalking her from behind during the 2016 debate, you know, it's like creeper behind her and she's trying to answer a question. And all you want to do is turn around and like elbow him in the stomach or worse, you know, and like he, you know, it, it, it's so, it's so classic, but anyway, he, I think he is, I don't think he can do it. I just think the, the sort of ethos and the ideology that he's bringing would make MAGAism even worse than it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and potentially, you know, it, it is the, it is this patriarchal misogynistic sort of ethos is right in line with, um, with authoritarian regimes, right. With, with fascists, with fascism, um, something yep. I brought in, in the, in the piece too. So, yeah. Excellent. Excellent piece. I, I highly recommend that, uh, uh, you check it out. Um, the, uh, so Donald Trump, though, um, the big news of the week, we got we got we all got to make fun of the of his uh, supposed height and weight. We got to laugh at his mugshot. Um, but we got big news. I think it was yesterday or uh, yep, the that's right. timeline. This, we're recording this on, on Tuesday, August 29th. So the, the date of the um, of his court trial. And you think this is significant? Oh, I do. Yeah. So and I, I thought it was significant. And then it helped to have some Republican operative confirm to me on NPR that it was significant. But he so the date, the trial date for now is set for March. And this is in the federal trial. Right. This is not the Georgia trial. This is in the federal um, election conspiracy case that's brought solely against him, where at the at this point, there are no other no other people named in that indictment. Um so uh, that is set for March 4th. Um, and now I think most legal analysts think it could move a little bit, but it almost certainly, I mean, cer- like basically certainly, like cer- like 99% certainty going before. Yeah, you cannot the, appeal a court date. Right, before before the yeah. election. I mean, you know, his you can't appeal it, but his, you know, his, his lawyers might be able to say, we need a little bit more time to review this or that. Most people think it goes before the end of the month, no matter what. Okay. So it goes in March of 2024. And by that time, I mean, even if it held for the fourth, right? Super Tuesday is on March 5th. That means that you've already had Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, and Nevada all go before the court date starts. And it very well could be, unless someone really manages to very quickly whittle this down to a two-person race between him and them, um, that the that the race is almost already decided by the time you get to the trial. In which case, in which case, he would be like sort of the prohibitive front runner and you know and and probable nominee even before super Tuesday and even before the first day of the trial, but it just makes all four of those first, those early States so much more impactful and, um, you know, definitive the timeline. Yeah. Condense the timeline. And, and so if, if you don't know, super Tuesday is named super Tuesday because a lot of States go at the same time. And I don't know what this Republican calendar with the Republican it's calendar over a dozen. Like it's like 15 but, or something. Yeah. And, a, and, and a crap ton of delegates. Usually Super Tuesday is worth like, you know, a third of the delegates. It's a big, big chunk. And, you know, it's funny because Iowa, it's like a handful of delegates because it's a small state. New Hampshire, a tiny number of delegates, totally outsized just because they're first in a calendar. And whoever doesn't do well, the money dries up. I mean, they all want to keep running. They all want to get to Super Tuesday. But once the money goes away, 
that's that's that, right? So Super Tuesday is like the last gasp for a a a real real push, and uh, and the candidates that go the distance do well on Super Tuesday. You know, like Hillary Clinton against Barack Obama, she did well on Super Tuesday and made it a race, and that was that, right? That it was this thing was going to go the race distance. to the end, yeah. And so um, that's why that's why it's important. So if uh, <laughs> I mean, it's just the idea that he's sitting in the courtroom on trial when that much of America is voting uh, for him um, is actually kind of fascinating. Um, we don't see a bump amongst Republicans for his indictments and stuff. I don't know if sitting in a courtroom actually in trial might change the situation, but it does present like a, a wild card uh, in, uh, in what is already a very interesting primary. Mm -hmm. True enough. So, True enough. So, so I, there's uh, there's one, I guess, other topic that, that I'd love to talk about today, and, and that's that's Joe Biden. And um, I was on Meet the Press uh, this weekend, and I was asked if what I thought about there about should there be more of a Democratic primary? And my response was that that uh, according to civics polling, 80 um, percent of Democrats have a favorable opinion of Joe Biden. So if you don't think that there's room for a viable primary in the Republican side, there's even less room on the Democratic side. I'm not kidding you, Carrie. Everybody, everybody sco literally scoffed. You can hear it. Yeah. yeah. In, oh, in you could the, see the, the body show. language. You could hear it. People were like, mm, mm, it was derisive. I, <laughs> and, and even after so the just, show. Let's, let's I, set the scene, though. So for, for the uninitiated who don't watch Meet the Press on Sundays because they have better things to do. Right. You're at a round table with like four, four or five people. You're with the anchor, Chuck Todd. Chuck you're with Todd, the, a, Pat a fellow. Pat McCrory, former, who's the bar, he's a bathroom anti-trans, you know, uh, former guy, Republican former governor, governor of North Carolina, of North Carolina. Um, some woman from AEI, which they don't explain on the show, but that's a American Enterprise Institute is a is a right wing think tank. Uh, me and Stephanie Murphy, who um, was a congresswoman from Florida, Democrat, but literally the most the most conservative Democrat uh, head of the Blue Dogs, which is you know, the most conservative Democrats and got to say that um, she, she agreed with, she was agreeing with, with the other two so much that it was like, it was three conservatives. It was, was kind of like you against the conservatives. They like flew yeah. you in so that like yeah. all these other and people could gang up was, on you and pick you apart. <laughs> I was fine with it. That's not a problem. Put up 10 Republicans against me. I'll, I'll take them on. But it was it was fascinating that they were laughing at the idea that people had favorable that Democrats had favorable opinions of Joe Biden, even though I cited a a poll number. And what's funny is that I said eighty percent. The actual I went and checked later. Civics actually has Biden's approval rating at eighty two percent, and it's not even just our own our own poll, right? I went and checked Gallup. Gallup has eighty seven percent favorable approval rating uh, amongst Democrats for Joe Biden, right? So, but there's during this DC bubble and the A. American Enterprise Institute woman then responds with, at my dinner table, nobody likes Joe Biden. And it's like, oh, sh like at the conservative 
woman's conservative family. Like, what kind of weird election denial, pro-life, you know, and, dinner table of you? <laughs> McCrory, who's you know Republican, um, you know, doesn't know anybody who likes Joe Biden. And then okay, Stephanie can I Murphy, just say McCrory, whose entire whose entire political career is washed up because he misjudged the bathroom bill that he signed into law and thought it would mm -hmm. be super popular, right? He he did in his own political career. He lost re-election and yeah. tried to resurrect it several times. Not not I mean, most recently where he tried to um, run for Senate in 2022. So and yeah, and Stephanie Murphy lives in a conservative part of Florida. And of course, people around her don't like Joe Biden. And, and it's it's amazing. But it was like they were like reinforcing each other off camera, too not just on camera, but off camera about how they didn't know anybody who loved Joe Biden. And it's like, I'm, I'm not sitting here with like personal antidotes. I'm actually pointing to data that shows. And um, who's, do people at your dinner table like Joe Biden? <laughs> you know, people, I got to say at my dinner table, nobody likes Donald Trump. So therefore <laughs> I'm going to go on national TV and say that nobody likes Donald Trump because at my table, nobody likes Donald Trump. I don't know about your table, Carrie. Does anybody like Donald Trump at your? I mean, look, we got a great sample size here. Yeah, my, I mean, my it, dinner table, not a whole lot of Trump lovers. And one of them was asked, one of them in grade school was asked, how do you spell jail? And, and they said, they said Trump. <laughs> That's the best. That anyway. The best. So, um, but it was, it was absolutely I mean, I mean, they weren't wrong, to be honest, but I mean, they and, weren't wrong, right? I mean, just reflecting, I was hoping that they were less aware of the national news than that, but it just so happened that they were aware enough to know. But even after the show was over, that was, they, they all laughed at me that I would, I would argue that, that Biden is, is popular. And I didn't say Biden was popular. I said favorable. Um, and, um, because that's literally what the what the data shows. So you wrote this piece, Carrie, that the reason one reason that Republicans are feeling more comfortable moving over to Donald Trump is because they have been convinced by Fox News and their media bubble that Joe Biden cannot win re-election. That he's this bumbling fool who is who is uh, senile and has cognitive decline. And th so there's just no way they can lose against Joe Biden, which has given them sort of permission to take electability off the table. Yeah. And it's not just MAGA. I, this is like Stephanie Murphy was in that, in that sort of, you know, a supposed Democrat was in this world where like we're in trouble because nobody likes Joe Biden. I don't see that in the data. Do you? Yeah, no, no, I don't. I don't. I mean, I, you know, I look, this is so, um, this reminds me, watching that table um, reminds me so much of what it's like to be in the DC bubble. Okay. Now, there, you know, there are people, what they were arguing was that no one liked Joe Biden. I mean, really? I think there are no people one. who reasonably, right, who reasonably would have, like, I would have been supportive of having a, a, a primary. But what I'm not supportive of is having a, someone aggressively go at Biden who has decided to run for reelection. I would have been happy to have Biden say, look, I had my term. I did a good job. I'm you know, I'm going to step down now and let the Democratic movie party move forward, mostly because I think we've got such a deep bench of really great people like 
Gretchen Whitner in, in Michigan and Josh Shapiro in Pennsylvania and Roy Cooper in North Carolina and maybe even Gavin Newsom in California. I mean, you go on and on. There's so many people. I thought I think it would, you know, it would I'm just like itching to see where the party goes next, right? But that being said, I like Joe Biden and Joe Biden has far surpassed my expectations of what he would be able to do as a Democrat in charge of a deeply divided nation with with in the first two years, very narrow, extremely narrow majorities in both um yeah, no I margin mean, it doesn't for, get more. No margin. Yeah, no, no margin. margin for error. I just can't believe all the historic legislation he managed to get through. And then he, you know, he came through. I mean, this is still they're still going through the paces on this, but he came through on student debt relief. Um, he came, you know, he came through on any number of things. He, he did some gun reforms to the extent that he could. Um, he's been much more forward leaning than I thought he would be. I thought he would be such a placeholder president. And frankly, he's gotten far more done than any, um, you know, president. in yeah. I, I think a couple of decades. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's, I mean, he's had a better Congress to work with, even with Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema than, than Barack Obama did, right? Where there was 10 Joe Manchins and Kirsten Cinemas in that caucus. And uh, so he is, he is, um, and, and it's, they mistake, the wish that, you know, I wish our president was Elizabeth Warren. I don't know if she would have beaten Trump. I mean, Biden barely beat Trump. Um, I mean, you and I both now, like Elizabeth Warren. Yeah, I but um, um, the president the president has an incredible incumbency advantage. Like, incumbent presidents don't lose. Only twice in the last 100 plus years has an incumbent president lost. Trump. And, uh, Go Trump. And Trump. Trump being one of them. And... <laughs> It would be political malpractice to surrender that incumbency advantage. Uh, I would almost say like, okay, we want to move forward then have him run for reelection. And then he can resign in, you know, right after <laughs> he's, I mean, he's, you're, uh, you're much more of a, like, you're uh, much more of a pragmatist, pragmatist where yeah. that is. I think I'm but, somewhat of a pragmatist, but anyway, yeah. But yeah. when people say like, oh, I, I wish it was somebody other than Biden and Trump, it doesn't mean I don't like Donald Trump. I don't like exactly. Joe Biden. It means exactly. I, in my brain, I had this idealized, you know, unicorn that that is agrees with me on everything. Mm -hmm. And so when you talk, I mean, I know no labels. Pat McCrory is now a, a co-chair of no labels. They're 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 talking about fielding a third party challenge because nobody likes Biden and Trump. And their big mistake is is that first of all. A lot of people like Biden, like too many people like Trump and people like Biden just fine. Um, do they wish it was Elizabeth Warren or do they wish it was Mitt Romney or do they wish it was, um, uh, you know, uh, you know, Bernie Sanders? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just throw out names. But this idea that, OK, they, they like the 65 percent wish it was somebody else. OK, yeah. But those 65 percent, there's about 100 different people that would fit. And there's no one person that can come in this unicorn. I call it the magical unicorn creature on, 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 on meet the press and, and Chuck Todd ran with it. Yeah. It's like, who is this? He asked McCrory, who is this yeah. unicorn that you're going to run? He said, Oh, there's lots of people I want to. And they can say like, who's it going to be? Well, we're going to have a, we're going to, you'll see there's going to be lots of people like there, there is nobody because the second somebody comes out, then their numbers tank. And there's this great right. poll by, by uh, Monmouth University that polled Biden, Trump, and a generic third party. And a generic third party candidate gets like 30%, right? Because again, everybody's like, oh, that's going to be Bernie Sanders. That's going to be 
uh, whoever yeah, they, they, their they favorite. love, right? Yeah. The second you slot in Joe Manchin on there, because they were floating Joe Manchin's name earlier, uh, he was at 16%. And like, you wouldn't even get that much. But the point, yeah, but the point is, is that even their magical unicorn candidate, if they got 30%, how do they, how do they get more, right? They, they can't, yeah. there's nowhere for them to go to get more. And that's their, that's their ideal candidate, right? There's nowhere yeah. for them to go to get more. I mean, did McCrory address that at all? No, because their, their, their frame, and I, I think it's a right-wing grift, right? Like Harlan Crow, who's, um, Clarence Thomas's sugar daddy's yeah. a funder. It's a it's a grift. Um, they're, uh, they're, he focused two things. He focused on attacking me that they had a 30-point plan. But if you go look at the 30-point plan, it's literally things like, we'll be number one in education. And then you look at the details, it's like the president needs to send a signal that will be number one. Like, I mean, it's 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 a joke, right? There's it's literally nothing. On abortion, it's a hard issue. There's two sides and we'll find consensus. No, yeah. you won't. The consensus yeah. was Roe v. Wade. And if you really want a consensus, you'd say, let's go back to Roe v. Wade. Frankly, so, Pat McCrory said McCrory said on in the during the roundtable, he said, Well, Nikki Haley was saying the right she was basically spouting our platform and she was looking pretty good. And I'm thinking, well, if Nikki Haley's spouting your platform, why do you need yeah. another candidate? <laughs> right? I mean, it, then she's your right. <laughs> She's your person. Like, why? Why are you? And she's running for the Republican nomination. So, get but behind Republican, her. right? Yeah, Republican. And when you start looking down the list, it's a lot of Republicans. It's it's failed conservative or Republican politicians. And John Huntsman ran for president in 2012. He got one delegate. You have McCrory who lost because of the bath, the anti-trans bathroom bill. You have Joe Lieberman who he drummed out of office. Um, he didn't he didn't run for re-election because he knew he would lose. And um, these are these are all you know. It's all white men losers. Um, I didn't realize this, but the the um, the CEO president of No Labels, she is married to Mark Penn, the Mark oh, Penn. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. So you know who who did Hillary Clinton a disservice on so mm -hmm. many different um, things? He was her pollster, chief advisor. Uh, really, really, I think had terrible in instincts. Whenever and I see so, Mark Penn's name on anything, I'm like, I prepare myself to disagree vehemently. <laughs> <laughs> well, no labels now qualifies. So, uh, so he, he was focused on his 30 point plan. He didn't talk about specifics because there's literally nothing in there that is actually worth pointing to and saying, okay, that's a real proposal. And then it's all the arguments, just like people want an alternative. This in this entire country of 300 million, we can't do better than these two. And Maybe in four years, you know, when there's an open primary on both sides, maybe, quote, we can do better. But the reality is that they can't have somebody that's going to slot there as a party. If you look at their at their proposal and who runs it, there's no cohesive vision for why we are a different party. I mean, if you look at, at like Canada or, or United Kingdom, where they have three major parties, all three have cohesive visions about what they stand for, and they have it. They have their place on the ideological scale. Now it sucks because in both cases, that third party takes from the left, and uh, it screwed us on many, many on an election. But at least there is a coherent narrative why that third party exists. This is just as we can do better. Like, okay, we can do better. So what do you actually stand for? But then you look at the details, and they don't actually stand for anything because they know that as soon as they take a position, they'll lose half their support overnight. You know, so what do you think? So I, you know, I just want, like, what do you think we do about this? Because the truth is, is that, is that 
probably, you know, in a head to head with Trump, Biden most certainly is in a better position to win that than Trump is. But a third party candidacy is a, you know, could be a real spoiler. And the question is this, you know, like this, this whole idea, you know, there's RFK out there who's going to, you know, maybe run third party, but he's only talking to Republicans. He's only on Republican outlets and supposedly yeah, he's, go for it. he's, well, he's not, I guess he's trying, he's trying to run in the democratic part in the democratic primary. I mean, I'm not scared of him in the primary, by the way. No, but no. Like, and any other way he, he's appealing to conservatives at this point. But, like, a, but a third party candidate is, is truly a potential spoiler. And the question is what to do about this, organization that says it's no labels that seem seems entirely funded i mean i don't know for sure but seems mostly funded primarily funded by republicans um you know that has a bunch of republicans and the occasional like democrat turned independent or really conservative democrat buying in i mean simon rosenberg is like you know we should just treat them he, I, I heard him say, I, I just think the whole thing is such a sham and we should treat them as as laughable as they really are. They have given no statistical analysis whereby they can win and they're anything other than a spoiler. And, you know, they should be laughed out of strategic political circles, which I can see some value to. But I just I don't know. Like, what do you do about this potential spoiler? Like just traditionally, the Libertarian Party has been more effective spoiler than anything on the left. I mean, the Libertarians have bailed us out <laughs> so many times that that I always root for those guys. I actually do think it's a joke. You know, it's really interesting. This Monmouth poll actually had a question. They, they had this sort of top lines on on Joe Manchin. Right. And it was like. It was, it was Biden by seven. It's like 37 Biden, 30% Trump, and like 16% Joe Manchin. But then they asked, if you vote third party, this could throw the election to Trump. And the numbers were like 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 10 point swing towards Joe Biden. Like, I think people are happy to consider third party as long as they don't think that Donald Trump is going to win re-election. That is the most powerful focus. And, and I also think that Democrats don't like to be rat fucked. And so one of the things that has really hurt RFK has been the argument that he's funded by conservatives, right? I mean, his number, he had his little boomlet and then everybody said like, he's getting funded by, by Steve Bannon and Republicans. And then like he cratered, like that was that, like we never heard from him again. And he's off doing his thing on conservative media. Right. But I don't think anybody's doing pushups. About him. Yeah, and, and shirtless really? pushups. That um, was really that was something I could I'll never unsee. You know, I'm like, oh, really? So I have to see that. I if if no labels, the argument would just be for our side to be like, this is Harlan Crow, and they're trying to get Trump to win, and I think that dries it up. Now, what I am more afraid of, honestly, is uh, Cornell West, and mm. that where Cornell West can be an issue, and I'm not saying he's going to get like two percent of the vote, right? Like overall. But what if yeah, he gets 10,000 votes? What if he gets 10,000 votes in Milwaukee? Right. What if he... Which is, which, which, yeah. which just for those who don't know, I mean, Milwaukee is a, is a, is a, you know, Democrat rich, um, you know, uh, city with lots of black votes and, and that usually go for Democrats. And if it went for Cornell West, West, um, not even went for it, just a hint, yeah, 10,000 yeah, out a of hint. A couple hundred it, thousand it, voters in the state. Considering but, how close Wisconsin has been the last several cycles, you know, that could swing it. That could swing the state yeah. toward Republicans. Same in Pennsylvania, same in Atlanta. 
right? Th these are all states that are that Democrats will need the black vote and will need a lot of the black vote to win. And they're going to be tight. And so, yeah, all, all he has to do is take a sliver, a sliver. Mm -hmm. And, and Faiz, uh, Faiz, uh, um, oh, what's his last name? He was, he was a uh, Bernie Sanders campaign manager. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, he's a strong progressive, you know, democratic socialist. Um, why can't I think of his last name? But anyway, he, um, he was on meet the press last week and yep. he, he sort of, he didn't come out and say it, but he basically said that he's afraid because Cornell West was like a co-chair of the Bernie Sanders campaign. For, so they, they, oh, were, they worked that. together. Okay. They worked together very closely. And Faiz said, like, I hope that he realizes that people are trying to take advantage of him. And, and he was being very diplomatic, mm. but he was basically saying, like, Republicans are using him to, mm -hmm. again, to play spoiler. And uh, he's going to be, I think, on a Green Party ballot. So okay. there's yeah. he's got he's got ballot access in a way that mm -hmm. no labels doesn't have ballot access right now. I mean, so. Jill Stein. I mean, come on. Sorry. So, yeah. So that's going to be I'm not 100 percent overly worried about it. But if I'm going to worry about anything coming from a third party, I think that's where I would be going. So somebody who can okay. take just a sliver on the margins in our most uh, closely divided battleground states. And those are all where the black vote is critical. So. Right. Carrie, do you have any closing thoughts? Because I think we are out of time. No, no more thoughts. They've all, I've given them all. <laughs> Everything I have, all the goodness. Thank you, Carrie, for joining me. Thanks to Walter for producing. Thanks to Paul for helping behind the scenes. And everybody who, thank you, viewer, listener, reader, who are part of this Daily Coast movement to save our democracy from <laughs> Vivek Ramaswamy, no, Donald Trump, and the rest of the MAGA insurrectionists couldn't do it without you so glad to come visit our site Hannah come read us come to daily coast please like subscribe let tell people about the podcast about the site uh and about the work that we're doing on behalf of our democracy thank you so much love you all catch you next week <laughs>